If you have your Bible, your device with the Bible on it, open to Hosea chapter, well, just open to Hosea. We're going to kind of skip like a rock through the, through the book this morning. Um, really great would be going to you version, um, because you can follow with the versions I'm going to use, uh, the Bible translations I'm going to use, and, and that would be good. Go to live event and search for Preston Crest there. We're in week three of Divine Dictionary, where we're looking at kind of the big rocks, the big foundational bedrock of our faith. And, uh, and there, are, there, are some, there are a lot of things that are important to us as believers, but there are some things that just go right to the core. And so we started out talking about holiness. Um, God is holy. Um, we started there because that is, is really the, the part of God's character that we are, I mean, we're different from God in every way. But that is the part that is perhaps most difficult for us to identify with. Those are the stories in the, in the Old Testament, stories about His holiness that tend to confuse us and disturb us. So we started with God's holiness. Then we moved on. Uh, we talked about His love. Um, and we talked about how central God's love is. And, and so basically we created, I don't know if you noticed, but we sort of created a bit of a, a problem for ourselves. We, we created a bit of tension um, that, that's there in the text. It's that God is, is holy. He's completely pure. Um, he is other. He's separate. He's different from us. At the same time, this God who created us loves us passionately and longs to be in fellowship with us. The problem is this. We've got holiness longing to fellowship with, with us who are not holy. Like, if we show up in heaven one day with our suitcases packed with sin, we just can't, we can't bring that in. So how, how does that situation get fixed? How does God embrace us when we are so, so sinful? All right. And so this week we're going to start talking about justification. We're going to spend two weeks talking about justification, how God brings these two parts of his character together, his love for us and his holiness. Um, and this is Divine Dictionary Part 3. Nothing that I can think of sells books or movies or gets people watching a television program like love does, like a love story. We are drawn to your Nicholas Sparks touching, gentle, wonderful, happily ever after love stories. We are as, if not more, drawn to your human train wreck love stories where love goes badly. We call that reality TV. But if it is a love story and it is reasonably well told, whether it is fiction or nonfiction, we're captivated by that. The Romeo, the Juliet, Mark Antony and Cleopatra, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, Snooky in the situation. I don't know. You know, we, we are drawn to love stories, whether they are good or whether they are bad romance, Right. They captivate us. And that, that's what makes this story today, I think, captivating. The story of Hosea. It is, for me, the craziest, weirdest love story I have ever encountered. Um, both ugly and beautiful all at the same time. And I appreciate 
this story because it reminds us that for every right off into the sunset, for every happily ever after, there are dozens of, of painful love stories where the ending doesn't wrap up so neatly. This morning, we're going to look at one of the most unusual love stories. So Hosea, he was a preacher. He was a prophet, all right? Lived in Israel was, or the people of God were divided in two at this point, divided kingdom. He lived in the north, which was the worst place, all right, in terms of sinfulness, in terms of idolatry. This is King Ahab, Queen Jezebel territory, uh, capital of Samaria, um, a, a, a very dark, ugly, cruel, sinful place, right? Hosea is a preacher. He is a prophet of God in that place. So it's a pretty rough place to be telling people, um, you know, more dawn till dusk about their sins and confronting people with their sins. Not a comfortable job at all for Hosea, but that's where he was. That's where God uh, had placed him. Now, as a young man, I'm sure Hosea, like, like all young men, had dreamed about who he would one day marry. He had imagined what sort of girl he would encounter one day that he would give his heart to. Um, he had prayed about that, no doubt, as well. Well, God is going to answer his prayers in the book of Hosea, but he's going to answer them in, in an unusual sort of way. Now, let me say this. I think for for any person, you could say that the person you hitch your life to is going to be a very, making that decision is a very important decision, right? It can bring a lot of joy. It can bring a lot of pain. It's probably going to bring some of both. So it's an incredibly important decision. But especially, especially when you're a prophet of God, especially when your life is ministry, because not only can marrying the wrong person, like, tear up your plans for your family, it can most certainly explode your plans and your dreams for your ministry if you get this wrong, right? God has somebody for Hosea. And so at first blush, you have to think, wow. I mean, for, for Hosea to have the knowledge, God has picked out my spouse, that's got to be a pretty, pretty optimistic sort of thing, thinking this, this is going to definitely go right if God picked out this wife. But God picked out a, a very interesting bride for Hosea. Now, let me, let me put this word out there before we get into their love story. Let me say this. I am convicted that the Bible is God's authoritative revelation to us. That is where we go for answers. We don't get to be in the business of changing Scripture. Having said that, every once in a while you get to something in the Bible that you're like, I would really like to do a revision here. The revision in this story is pretty simple. The woman's name that he is supposed to marry is, not making this up, it's Gomer. Gomer, right? For me, that name brings images of, of gym neighbors in army fatigues, all right? I guess it was a cute name in ancient Israel, like Chloe or Jennifer or something like that. I don't know, but for me, I would love it if I could just get in here and kind of change that name around. Um, but I'm sure it was a beautiful name back then. But Homer, uh, Hosea's Juliet is named Gomer. Now, 
God tells this man, I've got this bride for you. I want you to go to her. I want you to, to romance her. I want you to woo her. I want you to get her to fall in love with you, and you will get married together. So off he goes to win this Gomer. Now, she was, she was attractive. I'm certain of that. But she was attractive in sort of the the hot mess sort of way. This is Gomer. Not exactly the image of goodness and purity and chastity that Hosea had imagined his bride would be, especially his bride who was handpicked by Jehovah God. Because the woman that he is being asked to make his wife is a hooker. She is a prostitute when he finds her. And somehow or another, God intends to use this marriage of Hosea and Gomer. He he intends to use it as some sort of object lesson, as some sort of visual illustration for the way he feels about his people. So this is all God's idea. This is certainly not Hosea's idea. Now, she is a wild one. Gomer is. She is a wild one. She enjoys the company of, of men. She enjoys what comes with being a call girl. She enjoys the, the perfumes, the expensive foods, the, the, the rare wines. She enjoys the gifts, the romantic trysts. She enjoys being an object of desire. She enjoys all of that. So, you know, Jose has got to be thinking, Wow. I mean, this isn't exactly who I thought God would be uniting my life with, um, but if this is God's idea, I'm sure it's going to work out. If it's God's plan, I'm sure it's going to work out just fine. So the young preacher goes, Hosea woos her, um, Hosea proposes to her, they become husband and wife. And I don't know exactly why it happened, um, Maybe it's the old can't teach uh, an old dog new tricks or something like that. I don't know exactly why it happened, but Gomer gradually begins to slide back into her old lifestyle, the life that she knew. So she begins to cheat on her husband. Don't know with how many men, but the the Bible's clear. She is cheating on her husband. Um, And many a night then are going by where this young groom is lying alone in his bed, wondering where his wife is and wondering with whom she is spending the night. So marriage is off to a pretty rocky start here. Um, Why did she go back in the lifestyle? Like I said, we don't really know. Maybe she's just bored. I mean, she'd been living in the fast lane for so long, and now she's married to Hosea. She's married to this, this prophet, uh, this guy who loves God. I mean, they have virtually nothing in common. She doesn't love God like Hosea loves God. She doesn't share his values. She doesn't share his commitments. So I, I don't know why, but, she, but she, she really falls pretty quickly out of love with him, and she's off back into her old lifestyle. What we know is this. Hosea was quite evidently suffering the heartbreak that anyone would suffer in in this situation, being married to an unfaithful spouse. Then there is a glimmer of hope in the story. It looks like something may happen that will kind of turn things around. They find out that Gomer is expecting. She is expecting, and and maybe it's going to happen that God is going to bless them with a child, and this child is going to unite them, um, to take them to a new level of commitment and love, and maybe this is the beginning of a new chapter um, for their marriage that will be a beautiful one. Then again, 
Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. So she is going to give birth to one child and then another and then another. So three children. Um, and we get a little taste of why this isn't such a great thing in the names that the children are given. The first one is a, is a son who is named Jezreel. You're just not going to find people in the Bible named Jezreel. Um, it, it's like naming a child, you know, it's like naming a child Auschwitz or something. Jezreel was not a great place in Israel's history. Most recently for them, perhaps, it would have churned up images of the queen of Israel, the wicked queen Jezebel, falling to her death and being eaten by dogs. And they named their first son Jezreel, conjuring all of that up. Their second child is a little girl, and she is named Lo-Ami, or I'm sorry, she is no, named Lo-Ruhamah, and their third is a boy named Lo-Ami. Now, if you think Gomer is a weird name, wait till you get a load of these names, because Lo-Ruhamah, the daughter there, means not loved. Lo-Ami, the third child, the son, this pretty much says it all. Not mine. That's an awkward moment in the hospital. What are we going to name the child, Josea pretty, uh, Hosea, pretty quickly? Not mine. These aren't his kids. <laughs> he, he's not the biological father of these children. So in, in his edition... In Hosea's edition of what to expect when you're expecting, um, in his personalized edition, expect that they won't be yours. The Bible gives us this commentary, Hosea chapter 2, verse 5. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool, my linen, my oil, and my drink. So you can imagine, you know, TMZ Samaria is going nuts. I mean, this, this story is going viral, this love story, air quotes, of Hosea and Gomer, because, I mean, you have got a prophet of God who marries a call girl, um, then she gets pregnant, and everybody knows. I mean, you can't miss it with the names that are given these kids. Everybody knows they're not his. So yeah, everybody's talking about this. Everybody's gossiping about this. And honestly, I don't know what was going on in Hosea's prayer life. Uh, maybe it's not a good idea to speculate, but I do sometimes. What is God feeling uh, about Hosea? What is Hosea feeling about God? I mean, if I'm Hosea, I'm thinking, really? This is your plan for my life? Really? She is the girl you picked out for me? Really, of all the people to choose to use as an object lesson, it had to be me. I don't know. That's how I'd feel about it. But even though she is living in adultery, Hosea will not divorce her. And he will give every ounce of energy he has, as difficult as it is, to loving her to remaining faithful to her. Then she left. One day, she was just gone. 
wasn't probably out of the ordinary for her to be gone for a couple of days, but after a couple of weeks went by, it was pretty clear she wasn't coming back. The kids were there, but she was gone. And if it was any other story of any other marriage, you can hear Hosea's friends, right? They're like, man, I am sorry, but this is a good thing. You know, usually when when the spouse takes off, not a good thing. This is a good thing, right? She wants her freedom. She wants to go do her thing. You, my friend, have a new lease on life. Let her go. Start over. Good riddance. I mean, she couldn't handle being married to a preacher. She couldn't handle the expectation. Whatever it was, she's gone, and that's a good thing. I'm sure his friends are telling him. So there's Hosea, and there are the children living in this house together, and Gomer is gone. And all around the neighborhood, people have been talking about them. And let's be honest here. An awful lot of people in Samaria loved it. Ah, they relished this. I mean, here is this prophet who stands on the street corner and tells us how bad we are, who labels our sins, who tells us how how far away we're living from God. He can't even keep his family together. His wife is sleeping with every guy in town. There were a lot of folks that just loved the way this story was turning out. So there's Gomer opening up a new chapter in her life, free from Hosea, free from those old entanglements. She's hopping from bed to bed, from lover to lover. Finally, she ends up, as, as it goes, and as her, her beauty deteriorates, right, she ends up with progressively worse and worse guys until she shacked up with this guy who is a complete scumbag, for starters, doesn't have the resources to even provide food, is abusive to her, and there's where she is. It's the best she can do at this point. Now, Hosea, this is what kind of shows you how incredible the story is. Even though she's off living with this guy and nearly starving to death because this guy can't put food on the table, Hosea is getting, is getting secret you know, shipments of, of food and, and, and wine and oil and, and, and grains to her so that she will not starve to death. He is still looking after her. Hosea 2.8 tells us that he's still taking care of her. But she won't come back. She's not interested in returning. So God says, okay, Hosea, here's the deal. You're going to keep on loving her. You are going to keep on treating her as if she is your wife. It's obvious to Hosea. It's obvious to anyone watching Gomer, that she's on a trajectory here. I mean, there's a, there's a downward spiral. Things are getting worse and worse. I mean, she may end up in a ditch somewhere, dead. It's, it's just getting really, really bad. But she, Hosea knows, she still won't come home to me. Um, the only person who has not abandoned her. The only person who has never stopped loving her, and she, she won't come back to me. There she is. The situation gets so bleak. The guy that she is with figures, 
I'm in a financial pinch. At least I can get a few bucks for her. So he takes her down to the slave market where she will now be sold, right? Gomer is going to be sold as property. There will be no more exotic meals, no more hot dates with guys. It, I mean, this is, this, is, this is rock bottom. You are now going to be a slave, and you are going to be sold. You're going to be someone else's property. You're going to work morning till night doing manual labor. And there she is in the slave market with people bidding, with people jostling for position. She, among other people who are being bought and sold that day, And there he is on the outside of the crowd, kind of working his way in closer and closer. It's Hosea. Finally, he's close enough to hear the bidding. The bidding is pretty low. People don't think she's worth a lot. Some people are trying to get her on the cheap. And he didn't come on this day to, to, to see her get her comeuppance. He didn't show up at the slave market to ridicule her or to say, I told you so. He came to buy her back. And so he begins to bid. Hosea 3, verse 2. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine She won't come home, right? So the only thing Hosea can think of to do is to pay her purchase price, to redeem her. What we have is Hosea acting out this larger drama of a God whose people have left him, but a God who continues to pursue, who continues to woo, continues to plead, this is the drama he's acting out. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Amazing verse here. Hosea 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So there they are, reunited. Hosea and Gomer headed back home. And Hosea's longing, the text tells us this, his, his longing is that one day... She will fall in love with him again. And one day, Hosea says, she will begin to call me husband and not master. Chapter 2, verse 16. So now God has Hosea going through this painful journey, unimaginable pain, of loving someone with everything he has who is not loving him back. And it's not so that we can sit back and enjoy this train wreck of a love story. It's not so that you and I get to sit back and, 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 and judge Gomer. Oh, she is so awful. I can't believe that lady. It's so that we can somehow begin to understand that we are 
her. That each one of us can see she is playing our role of unfaithful, adulterous, the way we have abandoned God over and over and, and held on to other gods, be it money or fame or success or power or prestige or chemicals or bad relationships. We have looked for security. We've looked for safety. We've looked for love in all the wrong places. Gomer is us. And Hosea is playing the role of God in this drama. It's a story about God. It's a story about you. That's what this story is. You see, each one of us has made that choice to follow others, hoping they will provide for us. And God, all the while, has kept right on loving us, has continued to provide for us, has kept right on trying over and over to win us back. I believe there is no force in the universe stronger than the love of God. I believe it is the most powerful thing out there. There's nothing like it. And you can believe in God. You can be committed to going to church every week and doing your best to follow Jesus, and that's great. Or you can be someone who doesn't care a thing about God. Either case... The undertow of God's love is pulling at you. He loves you. So just a few things as we finish. Just a few, few line items here in the bulletin. Write these down that I think we are supposed to take away from this remarkable love story. The first one is this. When I ignore God's passionate love... Even then, he pursues me. When I ignore God's passionate love, even then, he pursues me. The text puts it like this in Hosea 2, 13 to 14. She decked herself out with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the de desert. I will speak tenderly to her. I will win her back. You can resist his love. You can say no to his love. He will not force his love on you, but you cannot stop God from loving you. Right? So even though we ignore God, he pursues. Second thing. When I live far from God's heart, even then, he longs for us to be together. He longs for us to be reunited. Hosea 3, verse 1. Read this one again. It's just amazing. The Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will il illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. See, God made us to be objects of his love. He made us to be at our best when we live in that love. There is potential released in every area of life when you go into the flow of God's love and you embrace it. 
And the third thing this morning is this. When I find myself enslaved by sin, even then he loves me and pays the price for my redemption. Even then he loves me and pays the price for my redemption. I don't know of a love story that has a climax like this one where you have the husband going to the slave market to buy back his cheating wife to redeem her, to set her free, to bring her back home where she'll be protected, where, where she'll be provided for. Well, I do know of one, I guess. That's the story of Jesus, who was sent by God to redeem us. Those of us, all of us, who have given ourselves over to slavery, Jesus comes to pay a much higher price than Hosea paid to bring us back home. First Peter says this, First Peter 1, 18 to 20, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God bought you back, paid the redemption price. Have you joined your life to this story? Now, I guess some people feel like this story written 2,400 years ago is just made up. I mean, believe the Bible is just made up. This story of Hosea and Gomer, I have trouble. It stretches my imagination to believe some guy living 2,400 years ago was able to come up with a story like this and then say, this is how God feels about you. Spirit works in this story. 